You're listening to Artitude, a podcast with artists created and produced by Detlef Schlick, a visual artist and ritual designer, living and loving in West Cork, and best known for his essay about the cause and effect of shamanism, art and digital culture. Working in the field of performance, photography, painting, sound, installations, and film he will dive and discover with us and a weekly creative guest into the unknown and exciting deep ocean of the creative mind. This is Detlef Schlich and today we dive into the uh, unexpected and exciting deep deep ocean of the creative mind with a friend of mine and I'm so happy to have him here and that we eventually can make it i mean uh it is paul cup and paul is uh for me a very special artist because paul is uh, not just uh, um, a ferryman um, and a seaweed farmer and a builder and uh, whatever i mean so many different things he's doing so so he's living his vision and life is art for him and art is life for him and uh He's a poet as well. We all will come later to all these points. I will start in this part um, first of all to 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 discover with Paul where 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 he is coming from originally and what brought him over here to Ireland to get this connection here with with this lovely lovely place where we are living now all together more than less, and uh, then then we continue in the second part uh, into his visions and in the third part we will end up with his latest project his seaweed farm where he just has has the the the, uh, the, the, the permission already so congratulations for that so hi paul hi detlef hi <laughs> i've never done a podcast before but that's a new experience it's great to have you in my show thank you very much paul thank you very much i would say um we actually we are here um in, Lo in paul's actually um latest project uh in the living room and um i actually i just start from the beginning um i think people are interested in how long are you living already here in in, in west cork now um well um i have a long relationship with ireland but um I came to live here just after the millennium. 2000, 2001 or whatever, something like this. Yeah. Um, Was it the first time? No, no. Um, because um, Ireland was the nearest um, foreign shore to to Devon where I was living. So we used to sail over every summer holidays just about and see and we'd go up the we'd usually make a landfall at Cork yeah. and then we'd see how far we got up the west coast in the in the, in the, in the summer you know before it was time to head back all right so, so you, you didn't start at west cork you start more above cork or whatever the first time i came here we um i came here with a bunch of um, surfers, you know, yeah, in an old VW camper with about 12 surfboards on the roof. When was that? 1970, 
nine. Ba 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 brown. Yeah, <laughs> and we 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 drove all the way up the west coast looking at waves. Right. I'm not such a surfer myself, but I was the driver, you know. <laughs> That's a neat driver. And um, That's a neat driver. we we ended up in Kerry. Yeah, I ended up in Kerry yeah. uh, for the summer and working on a fishing boat. And um, so I was, I, 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 you know, it was one of the best, best summers of my life. Yeah, 76, 79. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I didn't want to settle down here then yeah. Yeah. because it just seemed like uh, endless, endless uh, mountains and bogs and <laughs> sheep and... You know, it just ago, felt I mean, in my youth, it felt yeah. like I was yearning, I was yearning to go somewhere tropical. You, you know? were in your 20s. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so I didn't stay, yeah. but I came back yeah. um, years and years later because I knew, I knew, you know, what a special place um, Ireland is. And, yeah. um, and the, after a while... You know, the grass was greener here yeah. than in the UK. It was green, literally greener. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. It There's was not, not much difference. You know, it's all a bit home from home, like Devon and Devon and um, the west of Ireland. It, it used to be together, Ireland and England, wasn't it? I mean, as, as what, uh, only not, 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 not 15,000 years ago, you 15, mean? 15,000 years was it, yeah? I don't know. So probably things like this. So, so mm. it's, that's that's the similarities, mm. you know. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's meant to be the the uh, land of Leoness somewhere under the waves there. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can imagine that. So you came over here. It was twenty six, twenty seven, probably was it in seventy nine. Your age was 26, 27. That was the first time. and um, But you came back every year, you said. Not every year, but um, because um, when I left and it was a heady time, you know, in the beginning of the 80s, and um, I was, uh, I spent some time living in the squats in London, yeah. which was a great experience, you know, a university of life. Totally, yeah. Um, so in your twenties, yeah, um, yeah. and uh, it's uh, you know the um, I don't want to glorify it, but I met some great people and some made some great friends. There. I think in the twenties, it is it is um, um, the energy is is if if you have the tendencies to 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 be somehow say an, an anarchist or whatever. Then this is part, isn't it? I mean, if, if squatting and all that, you know. Well, it was it was a golden age in London, before Thatcher. Before, like you could live. Before there 81. were there were lots of squatting communities and housing co-ops. Germany as well. So there was no pressure, no pressure like there is today, for people. And so you got this, you got this uh, pe people blowing in from all the. Well, from all over the world and Scotland and Ireland and so, you know, everybody trying to get out of their own um, 
place, you know, and find something new. Um, Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. And the music, you know, the music was all happening. There were punks and rasters and... It was I a know. big eye-opener for me. You know? I know. It was actually, it was the time when when, when, when I went to Glastonbury. I think it was in 79, 80. And uh, on a concert, you know, so I watched, I think, Black Euro and and, and, and uh, um, Robert Plant was playing there. And uh, and they, they sent me, I mean, I came in with, with Rastafaris as pizza service, you know. So I, I gave them 15, 15 pounds. And they, they gave me a rest. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, um, and, and I could get in with them, you know. It was so. kind of part of the course that to gate crash Glastonbury back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And um, for my, which I'm ashamed to say, but <laughs> it was just part of the course. And um, yeah. and you could write a book about just about that, all yeah. the um, tunnels and and hang gliders <laughs> and things that people used to get in, you know. Did you, did you get in as well on a way like this? Yeah, I well, I never bought a ticket, so I don't know. So how uh, did you get in? Um, sometimes in the back of a van, or usually, usually I was with people who were working there, or you know, um, and it was all, um, you know, it was all a game. I think. You yeah, know? yeah, it was big fun, wasn't it? I mean, um, it was already very, very commercial, wasn't it? In, in the eighties, Glastonbury. Well. Now, it's so commercial. But, I mean, when I first went there, um, it was more like free food kitchens. And, you know, uh, I'm not really shocked how the alternative movement, which sort of changed for to be so capitalist, you know? Um, I think the problem is that it is you need a lot of energy to set up a... a an alternative festival like this and probably it takes five years or ten years if you can make it i mean take for instance here here a talent festival they, they struggled and they, i think they can't continue with that anymore isn't no, it because, sure sure so. and i've yeah of course but we all contributed in other ways you know energy yeah and so it was a kind of like a tribal gathering to if you identified with with that and um you know you had the convoy and and the packs of wild semi-wild dogs and horses <laughs> and yeah yeah great times it, 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 was, it was cool so yeah sure so i mean in, in times like this um you're you're not keen just living the, the rest of your life in ireland there's uh discovering is, is is necessary and i mean I think especially it was actually the same time like in germany i mean in 79 i had the podcast with dominic van Zenger, with ken dunkelziver the young wild in cologne uh bader meinhoff uh, uh schleier all that happened on at a little bit to the same time and and uh it was like you say it was before Setcher, and then Setcher came and and reagan and Setcher. They did the big, the big uh, privatization and, and neoliberalist start, and everyone came over from from, from England to Ireland as well. Yes, they? all our all our um, worst nightmares have come true, you know. 
to the present day. Um, you When know, was that exactly? 81? Thatcher? Yeah. I suppose um, 83. Was it, was it 83? Don't ask me. I'm a, I'm a very timeless person. Yeah, and one of my problems is that I can't put time into a linear Scale I have my timeline just in my head. With past, the present, and the future. So. Yeah, yeah. With occasions, you know. Yeah. So with, yeah, with But festivals. It's, um, it's very good to be able to put things into their proper Some, Somehow, time, yeah. You know. So it was 83 probably. I mean, yeah. I was 21, something like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Setcher, Setcher became became the, the Iron Lady of England. Yeah. Um, but I was... Um, I'd already left by that time. Um, I left um, just before the Brixton riots. We were living down in South London. Guns of Brixton. Um, Clash. We used to we used to go into Brixton from Vauxhall on the 2B bus. What what is a 2B bus? Uh, the, the, the double decker. 2B double decker. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, all right. Um, yeah. And it was all happening, but. Um, I, you know, I had this um, ambition to travel and um, I bought a motorbike. Yeah. The first time? No, not my first bike by a long shot, but I bought a um, sort of enduro sort of bike. Enduro, yes. Enduro, yeah. yeah. And took off and I spent um, some time in Switzerland, actually, oh. fruit picking, I didn't know that. How long? Um, saving up money one the whole summer. Fruit picking. Fruit picking. How long did you stay in, in Switzerland? So from maybe from May to right through probably was the last person to leave in November. Um, but just and uh, picking carrots in the snow by then. And then I remember mm. I only just got over the St. Bernard Pass um, driving over the pass in a blizzard on my motorbike with my beard frozen solid mm -mm -mm. and down into Italy and um, and it was so cold down to Bologna and then we hit the warm air of the Adriatic and carried on down to Greece and then mm. uh, caught the ferry to um, Alexandria. Yeah. And yes. that was my first... Uh, trip to Africa. Your first trip to Africa. But you used to be before in Africa, haven't you been there? Not before then, no. Not before then? No. Okay. I thought you 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 used to be earlier there in Africa. You see, dear listeners, I don't know everything as well, you know. So <laughs> All right. So it was in your late 20s. I was, yeah, 26, I think. Okay. Um, prime, but, prime in my youth. But, but, but you had you had a link to Africa, no? Well, in a way, I grew up with a lot of Africans because my father spent his life in Nigeria. All right. And um, so we always had uh, many Igbos, um, you know, from Nigeria All passing right. through our house. Yeah. So I was kind of easy with... And, and, and very familiar with Wissi culture. No? Or... Well, I say that, I mean, I was nervous when I reached Egypt, you know, because I was kind of 
had this um, paranoia that, you know, I would get my throat cut in a in an alleyway, you know, and robbed. And so you've been alone. But the, it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. Egyptians, Egyptians are so such friendly people yeah. and they love the crack and yeah. they love to share a joke Communicate and, and, and dance and yeah. um so and it was like coming from europe is is like uh, everybody's grown up in europe and then well i don't mean to sound um condescending but in egypt it was like everybody was able to play you know i felt like a child again um and, yeah, and I felt safe all the time. Um, I mean, I have, I did have some um, dodgy situations on my travels, but like um, everywhere, you can have it, you know. Yeah. I mean, even Cologne yeah, or, yeah, or in, yeah, in yeah, London. Yeah. You know? In fact, um, I went into another reality almost. Um, I spent a year coming back. Um, I, I I took the bike down to the equator. And one of my one of my fondest achievements is that when I eventually arrived back in yeah. Cairo, yeah. Um, and I was I went in the train station into the tourist waiting room, yeah, and got thrown out. They said, "You're not a tourist." So that was <laughs> that was. Um, I was quite pleased about that because by that time I was speaking Arabic a bit, and but you didn't have black hair. Huh? No, no. Well, I had an emshi. Everybody wears an emshi, so, so like and you were probably very, very black in your in your face. Well, they thought I was an albino. I think honestly, yeah. Uh, yeah so you a lot of people thought I was albino. You had already your grey hair in earlier years, or what? Wait, well, blonde. I was ash blonde. You know. Uh, uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 they, 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 it was very difficult to distinguish if if you were. Uh, it was just from being in the desert for a long time, yeah. and I behaved like uh, <laughs> like it, you know. I mean, I can imagine. Dear listeners, Paul is very. How tall are you? What is it? Six foot. Six foot. I mean, he's a very tall guy and and slim like a slim like a like a like like a uh, like a, a, a anorexic drumstick. So <laughs> I can imagine that they thought, okay, this is he might come immediately from the Sahara. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I, I was. Uh, I think I went there because I needed a shower or something. You know. Yeah. yeah after yeah. being on the dusty road yeah. for uh, months. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then, um, so that was a great experience for me. That changed really changed my life going going to Africa, um, and experiencing the synchronicity. How synchronous life can be! Now we've all got smartphones and things, and yeah. we're still uncoordinated, but you can almost. When you, everybody is in, I think because there's not so much, maybe so much going on there, you know, not so many things and people have more time. And um, I felt like really, and I'm sure, you know, this is the, this is how we all, we've evolved for thousands of years in every, in every place. Evolution. Um, 
and things happen just spontaneously. Um, you know, you meet the right person, um, and it was it was remarkable. You know, I can imagine that. I mean, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, I know no moments like this as well because I used to be three months in but just three months in in, in middle america you know central america in panama costa rica just on my own it gives you a sort of a, a notion of freedom you know what what if and i think if you once stand this i mean at least my case if, if you survive this adventure nothing can happen in, in your life anymore then you're then you're cap capable as well to achieve anything what you want, I mean, on a certain extent. Well, in my case, I came back and um, I think it's uh, fairly common for um, for other travelers as well. I came back and it was like coming from a land where everything was in technicolor. Europe seems so black and white you know <laughs> it was like coming back into this boring predictable reality and i can't to, I know, to, to devon or, or what yeah i came back to devon when and, was that um so 1982 or three sorry I'm that was just back. about when Thatcher when she, yes back to thatcherite oh. thatcherite britain and um and i actually had quite a lot of mental health problems yeah on top of no delusions one. delusions of grandeur because i just felt cultural shock that i could i felt nothing was impossible yeah sure sure but i didn't have the um i didn't have the communication skills to build the bridges sure um so on the one hand i was terribly overconfident yeah um and um the um the i was you know i was collecting rubbish from from the rubbish tips that people were throwing away you know like that uh, just because it all seemed so valuable to me after sure. being yeah, in a yeah, place yeah, where yeah, a tin yeah. can yeah, yeah, yeah. was was uh, was something that people had to pay for yeah. you know Imagine, and i yeah. and i was thinking all this technology i was i wanted to so build windmills and yeah. things and like you know you and fighting against windmills <laughs> not building it's the fighting <laughs> but um what i what i missed i think is that I didn't realize that I didn't have forever and um and sure. time passes really fast oh, sure, and sure. um and so now I'm I don't bother you know I, and I people come to me and they want to do projects you know with recycled materials which yeah. is great but yeah. you kind of time is a commodity in our culture <laughs> whereas it wasn't really maybe it wasn't it, africa was very timeless it was more than manana culture you know it was <laughs> more like it means next actually, year <laughs> more than manana culture people so, so you, have to, you have to 
chew that, you know. <laughs> I would say, I would say, uh, so uh, more than manana culture, I would say manana uh, to to for our next meeting for our next talk, Paul. It's was great. The first. Oh, thank part. you for uh, letting me break the ice. It, I've got my fluffy. Uh, punch bowl here yeah which which, which is cool so, so that's cool so 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 the, the modern manana punch bowl uh dear listeners um like always i'm gonna put everything about paul um paul's links uh or descriptions and of that what you want to know about him into my description you can get into contact with him as well if you want um You can get into contact with my attitude page. Uh, you can watch this talk as well on uh, my attitude channel in in uh, next future in three or four days after this talk. And I hope as well that 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 uh, you guys come when I have with Paul the second part. Uh, and uh, I would say on that note, Paul, thank you very much. You know, take care. Pleasure. Bye. This is a listener-supported show. I feel honored if you subscribe to this show. You can follow me non-financial with the following click on one of my Instagram accounts or subscribe to the visual version of this podcast on YouTube via the link below. If you like what you hear, be sure to tune in this Sunday for the third part of this Attitude Audio Triptych. If you want to leave a donation for a coffee or a bus ticket, just follow the donation link via the Attitude Podcast account. Eventually, I would like to thank, through this medium, all my members and listeners of the I Love West Cork Artists Network from all over the world. Just to remember myself that without you, this year couldn't and wouldn't happen. You have listened to Artitude, West Cork's first art, fashion and design podcast. Artitude, never so close again. Ah. That was too close.